This podcast is brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. BankInfoSecurity.com is your source for the news and views shaping security and risk management within the finance space. Hi, this is Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group with the editor's choice for the month of September. ACH, debit, ATM, and POS fraud are only the beginning. Fraud is hitting more banking channels today than ever before, and gathering information about these growing fraud trends is becoming ever more critical as banking institutions and anyone touching the payment space struggles to stay abreast of the ever-fluid face of fraud. Information Security Media Group has just launched the Faces of Fraud Fight Back Survey, a flagship survey that will provide banking institutions and any entity touching the payment space with compelling benchmarks about fraud management strategies. The survey's results will also provide comparative analysis, helping banks and credit unions see where they stand on fraud prevention relative to their industry counterparts. Survey participants get an opportunity to take part in an exclusive webinar. So please take a moment to check out our survey and help shed some light on some of the most damaging fraud trends facing the industry today. And on the topic of fraud, the growing threat of phone-based phishing or vishing attacks, which are most often hitting small towns and communities. In July, two vishing attacks hit residents in Provo, Utah. In August, 10 additional attacks were reported, this time incorporating a combination of vishing and text message-based smishing attacks aimed at various communities scattered throughout the United States. The common factor among all of these attacks? The perpetrators are targeting customers of community banking institutions. Vishing and smishing have recently replaced the traditional email phishing attacks, which once plagued the industry. But as email spam filters have become more sophisticated, fraudsters have turned to other socially engineered methods that prey on consumers' trust. The growing use of mobile devices makes smishing an easy scheme. SMS, text-based banking, which is quickly growing to become a mainstream mobile banking service, is helping to set the stage for these text-based attacks. And the one way institutions are fighting back? Better consumer education, says Robert Siciliano, a McAfee security consultant and founder of IDTheftSecurity.com. Siciliano's advice? Understand all the ways in which fraudsters can compromise call centers via landlines and voice over IP lines. Continually enhance consumer education efforts to keep up with the latest attacks. And ensure that databases that store customer and member contact details are secure. Now, after this short break, I'll be right back with more highlights from our month. Are you responsible for your institution's compliance program? Do ATM fraud, ACH fraud, and online fraud keep you up at night? Do you have any certifications which require continuing professional education credit hours? The solution to your problems may be the BankInfoSecurity.com educational webinar library. You'll find plenty of courses that align with your core responsibilities. Visit BankInfoSecurity.com for more information on how to access these webinars. So what do we know about the well-publicized Stuxnet, Twitter worms, and other new threats challenging privacy? Not as much as we need to. Kevin Johnson, a security expert, says banking institutions, companies, and government agencies need to get employees, consumers, and everyone else involved in the effort to fight back. Here is Kevin Johnson. Stuxnet, it's actually a really interesting worm. Uh, it's, it's one of the first ones that have come out with a, a collection of zero-day exploits, meaning exploits that patches aren't available for yet. So from a security perspective, it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, from a security researcher perspective, from an, an end-user perspective, the businesses and organizations that need to protect their stuff, I, I hate to say it, but Stuxnet is minor to them. Um, due to the fact that it's 
it's got zero day exploits, things that they're not going to be able to block. Um, you know, you can't patch for it. You, that pretty much your answer is hope your antivirus catches it. Hope that your you know your patch management, the the controls you have in place to stop the spread of malware, stops it based on the behavior it's ex- exhibiting. Right. Um, it's one of the things that makes a, a really good splash on headlines, and from my perspective, is something that for the most part you just have to accept as the risk of doing business. What caused the Chase Bank's website to go down for two days, with some customers not able to access online banking accounts for nearly three days? Though Chase has been reluctant to release too many details, most industry experts blame the outage on outdated legacy technology. The outage of the site, which serves 16.5 million customers at the nation's second largest bank, was reportedly caused by an internal technical problem. Chase spokesman Thomas Kelly says the bank was working on the technical problem during the outage, adding that software from a third-party database company corrupted information in Chase's systems and prevented users from logging on. No customer data was at risk during the outage, Kelly says. But one banking expert says the Chase outage is a reflection of a larger problem many larger institutions face with outdated legacy systems and technology. It's amazing that a website can go down for that long, says Gwen Bazard, research director at ITA Group. Bazard says a lot of the major banks rely on technology and infrastructure that is, quote, unquote, fairly outdated. On a more positive note, last month closed with the announcement that Elizabeth Warren has been named to lead the charge of the soon-to-be-formed Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, taking the financial services industry one step closer to getting its watchdog agency, that agency that was at the centerpiece of the regulatory reform bill passed in July. Warren, 61, is an attorney and a Harvard University law professor who headed the Congressional Oversight Panel created to investigate the Troubled Assets Relief Program. The newly approved agency, which comes under the Federal Reserve Board, was created to implement and enforce federal consumer financial law, ensuring that all consumers have access to financial products and services, and that markets for consumer financial products and services are fair, transparent, and competitive. And finally, we take another look at payments and payments technology that's emerging across the globe, this time comparing two reports about cash use out of Europe. Europe often sets the payments benchmark for trends we can expect to see in the United States. So it was with curiosity that I read a report issued by Retail Banking Research and another by Ovum, part of the Data Monitor Group. Both of the reports were about emerging payments. But I left my report reviews a bit perplexed. RBR claims debit use is growing, while Ovum says cash remains the leader, as it has in the United States. It just goes to show, despite the fact that we keep reading about cashless societies, no one really knows when or if we'll ever get there. That's September's Editor's Choice. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten. Have a great week. This podcast has been brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.bankinfosecurity.com.